everyone, before we start our preview card episode today, there's been kind of a big announcement, and then we wanted to address it really quick. Yeah, new rules specifically for Companion. This was announced on June 1st. And it says, for the companion cards, we've talked about these before, Lutri being the main one we've talked about. But it says, once per game, anytime you could cast a sorcery during your main phase when the stack is empty, you can pay three generic mana to put your companion from your sideboard into your hand. This is a special action, not an activated ability. So this is an official rules change by Wizards of the Coast. They do this very rarely, but basically changing how companion works now you can't just play the companion from what we've been calling the companion, the companion zone uh, as if it were like a card in your hand or whatever. You now have to pay three mana at sorcery speed to put it into your hand, and now then you'll have to pay the casting cost of the companion to now cast it. So this is a definite nerf to companions. Some of people have been asking does this rule change affect Commander? And in fact, it does, because it's official errata to the card. So I'll read this statement from the uh, Commander Rules Committee here. This was posted by Sheldon Mennery. It says, You've seen the changes to Companion. As far as Commander goes, we find no additional changes necessary before our next regular update, which is scheduled on June 22nd. Companion will operate in Commander similarly to other formats, meaning you'll have to pay the three, etc., save that it will not come from a sideboard. Right. Let's leave the sideboard debate behind because <laughs> we've already talked about it before. Yeah. What do you think of this change, Jimmy? I mean, for us, we didn't really get much time to play with the companions to know how powerful they were, but they clearly were terrorizing other formats. And so in in that, I understand where they're coming from. Uh, it's tough because in the past we've seen Commander follows the official magic rules when it comes to the mulligan and all this stuff as well, which I think is good. Uh, so this is just another example of that, minus the little gaff with the sideboard wording. But, you know, still no sideboard and Commander. We're not talking about that today, though. <laughs> no thanks. And we mentioned we're not talking about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... I think this is a, a little bit... It, it was probably not necessary for Commander. It was clearly necessary for... Legacy. Legacy, Vintage. Modern, yeah. yeah. Those. Uh, it's a clear nerf. Makes Companions less powerful. We already thought they weren't super powerful because you still have to meet the deck-building restriction in order to pay the three mana and mm -hmm. put it into your hands. It also makes them not just cost more mana, but also they're disruptible, right? So you do that right, sorcery so can, speed, yeah. so somebody can duress, thoughtseize, whatever. Duress obviously doesn't work, it's not a creature, but y you know what I'm saying. It could be affected in other ways that from the companion zone, which is not an official thing, <laughs> well, but we're calling it just sitting in the ether, but now yeah. it's in someone's hand. There is a way, for instance, if you could instant speed affect their hand at some way, now you can actually work around that. So it's a special action. Other special actions in the past have been something like Morph, uh, but in this case, this special action is just you are placing this card from outside the game into your hand. It costs a certain amount of mana. You can only do it at sorcery speed. It's very readable. Everyone knows it's coming. I think that was a big thing too, right? Now you can counter it on the way down. If you're yeah. playing against it, you know... Well, you, you could counter it even from the companion zone. Yeah, but in general, like, Lutri was a tough one because it has flash. And, well, I guess, you know what? It, this really just taxes the use of the companion so that it's not instantly available for very cheap every single time. It's interesting that you mentioned Lutri because I think the next question a lot of commander players are asking is, does this change mean that Lutri is now fine and can be unbanned? Nope. Uh, Lutri has the exact same problem as it has before, and now you're just paying three extra mana for it. But it's the same thing. Every single blue-red deck or deck that has blue-red has zero reason to not play the card, thus creating an extreme imbalance um, just because that card is evergreen and vanilla and can fit into any deck. Not vanilla-vanilla, but you know what I mean. That yeah. has blue and red. It doesn't change the reasons that Lutri was banned, which is yeah. the fact that anything with red and blue in it just at zero cost has access to this card. Whether that card is super powerful or not is 
it, it doesn't really matter at all. Mm-hmm. It's just they have a thing that the other color combinations don't have because the deck building restriction in Commander is nil. There's It's nothing. Yeah, so, it's exactly what Lutri says on the text box. Um, yeah, so I should go in like Shadowborn Apostles. Right, <laughs> which doesn't have blue and red yeah, anyway. There you go. But uh, yeah, so I don't foresee the rules committee. I have no inside knowledge. We haven't uh, had our meeting about any of this stuff yet. So, But I, I personally don't foresee it changing. I think Lutri will remain banned probably. And the last question probably is Companion now just awful? Or is it just slightly worse than before? Three mana is no joke. I think Companion was already a little overvalued. And I'm sorry for everyone that went and built an entire commander deck to have a Companion there. You're still going to have that Companion. It's just going to cost you pretty much what feels like commander tax to get it into play. One time, too, because you can't do it over and over. Yeah, exactly. I I think this pretty much guarantees that in a year, 18 months, two years from now, we just basically don't see Companions. Yeah, there might be some occasional deck that has an Obosh in there, you know, but it's very specific. But in general, probably not. Yeah, so it definitely nerfs them. I think they're a lot worse. Uh, probably some of them are still okay to play. It's not going to hurt you too much. It but. still doesn't change them being in the deck or as your commander or any of those things. It's just the companion mechanic. And again, this is heavily enforced because of how broken it got in other formats, which maybe goes to say that it could get there eventually with Commander 2. Who knows? In this case, Wizards decide to nip it in the bud and... I, well, I guess to the wishes of many players, just make it much harder instead of banning it outright. All right. Um, one last question. What do you think about Wizards making this type of change? I mean, it's something we've never seen them do for as long as we've been making content. Yeah, it's very crazy. I mean, it, this is sort of the risk you play when you put crazy new mechanics out there. And I know there's a lot of controversy about all of it. But to be honest, I'm just happy that these things can be changed in physical card games because it is very hard right to to errata a card but there are ways around it of doing that are a little less destructive and this is one of them yeah i think it's fine if we're if this is happening at this rate which is like something like this happens every decade it's not the biggest deal (laughs) yeah if this was happening every year sure we could start to get worried about it but it's clearly that hasn't been the case and i doubt it will be moving forward so yeah All right, uh, that's all we're going to discuss about this companion change. We'll have the links to these articles and stuff in the show notes. We'd like to hear what everybody out there thinks about it. Go ahead and respond in the comments or tweet at us, email us, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah, now let's move on uh, to the full episode here where we're going to talk about our M21 preview card. And we sing. Yeah, Do we? Maybe not. I don't think we do because it's a preview card episode. (laughs) I was just teasing you. (laughs) Lies. Here's the episode. We sing a lot of times, not this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, see you soon. Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. What's up, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. We got a special one today, a quick bonus episode for our exclusive... Preview card from M21. That was the bonus. We though. also leveled up while we were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, bonus, you know, you win, we win, we get a new card, all, all good things all around. Um, M21 is right around the corner. You're going to start seeing card previews pop up everywhere from some of your favorite creators around the net, as well as a bunch of random news sources and stuff. I'm always excited to see where cards pop up, but we have a fun one. Yeah, so also, if you want to get a hold of the cards that you're seeing, you can probably pre-order right now or you will yeah. be able to very soon. Obviously, we want you to use our affiliate link, which is cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You know, you're going to get these cards anyway. If you just use the affiliate link, when you do, you really are supporting this podcast, our whole channel, game nights, everything we do. Yeah, much appreciated. And of course, Ultra Pro, another awesome sponsor of the show. They have relic tokens. They have their own special dice. They have deck boxes and sleeves, everything that you want to customize your play experience. Ultra Pro's got you covered. And with new sets, that always means awesome new play mats and things on the way. So Josh and I put all of our 
awesome cards into Ultra Pro Sleeves. We trust them to keep our stuff safe, especially with a cool card like the one we have coming up today. Yeah, that's true. And the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. There's all kinds of different perks at the different reward tiers. You can interact with Jimmy and myself every single day on our Discord server. You get to watch game nights earlier than the yeah. general public. Uh, we really do appreciate everybody that supports us through our Patreon. They really have gotten us through these recent tough times. So thank you so much. And another way we thank them is by shouting out one lucky patron every single episode. Woo. And this episode is dedicated to... Phil Wong. Phil, you rock. I was going to let you say it. Uh, any relation? No, uh, no relation. And it's <laughs> It was same. bound to happen with your last name eventually. <laughs> it's Mine, Wong. it's never going to happen. <laughs> How many leak wise are you going to meet? There's like seven. <laughs> seven. Wong is the second most common last name in <laughs> in the language. So, uh, Oh, and a quick reminder for those of you that are going to be sending in videos to the 2020 Commander Summit. We posted about it. It's going to be on our Twitter as well as the link to basically explain all the details. The deadline is coming up. It's June 12th. Yeah, so make sure if you're a content creator or a commander luminary and you want to participate in the summit this year, get your video submissions in. We'll have a link in the show notes for details on how to submit. Yep. All right, let's talk about our preview card. The reason everybody's here. Woohoo! It is a splashy, colorless, mythic rare from M21. Yeah. You want to read it, Jimmy? Yeah, well, you can definitely splash different things with this because of the text. It is called Chromatic Orrery. Oh, it's an orrery. Ooh, it's seven mana for mm -hmm. a legendary artifact. It's mythic. And it says, you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color. So similar to Chromatic Lantern. But it's any mana. Right. Because you can tap this guy and add five colorless mana. So it's a seven mana rock that taps to add five. You can also pay five generic mana and tap this card. And it says, draw a card for each color among permanents you control. So that's up to five there, right? So it could be five mana tap, draw five. Um, yeah, the spending mana as though it were of any color, really interesting. It is very similar to Chromatic Lantern, which it's is better the even, name. Right? Yeah, it's definitely better because that just adds it to your lands. This, this adds it for any mana. It doesn't care where it came from. Yeah, in fact, your uh, signets now are no longer restricted to the two colors they make. Your uh, your mindstones can tap for any color as well. Ashnod's altar that ah, can be spent on anything, stuff like that. That's pretty crazy filtering mana to any color from anywhere. We don't see that a lot of magic. That's pretty powerful. Um, but this card's pretty straightforward, right? It feels like it. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of text on it, and a lot of it does seem pretty cool. But what you're looking at essentially is a seven mana chromatic lantern-esque rock that if you want to use it to draw your cards is great, but I feel like that's not, if you're playing a five color deck to begin with, right, and the max you're drawing is five, you're probably gonna find better ways to draw cards in that deck. Well, yeah, I would look at this card and I would say it actually kind of costs you 10 mana to draw the cards, right? Because hmm. you have to tap the orrery. Right. So that's five mana from the orrery you're not going to get. And you have to put five more mana into it. So 10 mana draw. And in the best case scenario, it's five cards, right? You have to have your permanents on the battlefield have to have five colors for you to get all five. Right. So oftentimes you're not even going to get all five. So 10 mana to draw less than... 10 mana to draw five is not great, but 10 mana to draw less than five is pretty bad. I, yeah. I, you're almost never going to want to do that. Feels like a parachute you hit. If you have nothing else to do and you're like, well, I can't use the mana from this. It doesn't matter that I can change mana to any color, but I could use a couple of cards to draw. It does suck that you can't tap this to pay for the cost. There are other cards out there that do that for you. It's true. Uh, I mean, I just think well, of one Urza, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah, one thing in favor of the card draw is a lot of times when you have a lot of mana, the one thing you do want is cards, and mm -hmm. so this will kind of fill both roles. I mean, it is card draw and ramp. 
the two things we think are generally the most important thing in uh, decks. So, well, let's talk about some some cool synergies and combos we see with this card right at the bat. The first thing I thought of was just like being able to untap it a bunch of times. Yeah, I mean, look, we've seen the power of untapping Gilded Lotuses, and that's three mana of any one color. This is five mana of any combination of colors. Yeah, so five is more than three. Yes, that's correct. math. So the usual suspects, Cures, Follower, Fate Stitcher, Fedo Alchemist, mm-hmm. they will all give you a big mana advantage from being able to untap this. So if you have cards like that already in your deck, the Chromatic Orrery becomes something you would at least think about putting in, I, I would think. Uh, yep. I would want multiple of this effect. I wouldn't want just, like, I have one Fedo Alchemist in my entire deck. I, that doesn't mean put in Chromatic Orrery. But if you have <laughs> if you have a few of those, I think you would think about it. Yeah, I mean, and again, like, normally in these types of decks, if you're playing untap abilities, you have a lot of other creatures that can do things when they untap, but you want a bunch of mana rocks to do the same thing. So you're going to be running probably a Gilded Lotus in a deck like this anyway, just because if you don't draw the Chromatic Orrery, or it's a seven-man or if I can't play it right away, you can still get value out of smaller rocks. Now, the fact that it taps for five, that's a lot. We don't see many rocks or anything that taps for that amount of mana all at once. That opens up a card like Filigree Sages as a good combo. That's three and a blue for a two, three artifact creature Vidalcan Wizard, but it says you can pay two and a blue, colon, untap target artifact. Mm. So it immediately goes infinite on mana with Chromatic Orrery because you pay the five, or you tap it, get five. You pay three of it to untap it. You're still floating two. Infinite mana also means infinite card draw with Chromatic Orrery. Right. So that's one thing I'll say about Chromatic Orrery. A lot of infinite mana combos, they need another piece in order to give you something to do with that mana to convert it into a win, whereas the Ori basically does that because it also gives you the card draw. Yeah, you're going to create infinite mana, draw a bunch of cards, and it'll always keep on tapping. And what's kind of neat here is oftentimes it's like, oh, cool, you did the Grim Monolith, whatever. You got a bunch of infinite colorless mana. What are you going to do with it? But because of the way the Chromatic Ori is phrased, you can spend mana as though it were a mana of any color. So you can put the mana in your mana pool. You don't need even to decide beforehand what you're going to transform it into if you're trying to filter it, and then you can spend it willy-nilly. That's a really good point. Uh, a couple of other cards that come to mind that are commanders. Uh, sorry, one of them is commander. <laughs> Teferi Temporal Archmage, which is the uh, mono blue planeswalker that can be your commander. Untaps up to four permanents. This is a pretty good one to untap. Yep. Tezzeret the Seeker is just a planeswalker. Can't be your commander, but also untaps and tutors for artifacts. Um, those are two things that if they're in your deck, Chromatic Orrery maybe finds a slot. A couple other commanders we don't see as much. Yeah, actually, I haven't seen this played ever now that i think about it but it's tanos urza's apprentice for blue and or red this is sort of like the the is it artificer type it's a one three with haste and you can pay blue and red and then tap tanos to copy target activated or triggered ability you control from an artifact source and then can choose new targets for the copy so that means you can either draw twice off of this uh to, to double his last effect or you can just add 10 mana yeah, it'll cost you two of it, two, so you so add seven. Yeah, it's add seven, yeah. Seven's a lot. That's how much it costs, but yeah. That's... Yeah, th- this is interesting. I mean, Chromatic Orrery by itself, right, lands for seven. You can get five of it back immediately, so it's not the worst turn. That's actually, we didn't talk about that, right? Yeah. Like, on turn seven, you get a five-mana rebate, so yeah. it basically only costs you two. I wouldn't equate that to the same as being two mana, though, because you cannot play it on turn two, three, four, mm-hmm. you know, unless you've ramped a ton by four. Um, but that is a good point we didn't mention. Uh, oh, yeah, interesting. Kirkesh Onaki Ancient is another commander that... From N15, this is my first corset. Yeah. Look at that, this, the, corset, uh, <laughs> the corset synergies here. So it Kirkesh doubles up activations. Now, you can't double up the mana ability through Kirkesh. You have mm-hmm. to only... But you can do the card draw. Um the problem with Thanos, I think, in Kirkash and even Teferi is that they are either mono or dual-colored commanders. So if they're your commander, oh, right. you're not going to be able to tap and draw very many cards. Like, I, I guess, would you ever run this card in a deck 
like how many colors do you need in the deck to, to, to sort of want to run this card? Probably minimum three, just so you can feel good about the spending mana of his, if it was mana of any color, right? This is in a way mana fixing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a seven mana way to get there. But if you got a lot of ramp and you can get this out as early as turn five, maybe even turn four, and I, I could see it doing a lot of work in that world. But yeah, monocolor decks don't really care too much. Yeah, not at just all. Getting, I don't even think duo, like it's just not worth it because you're- Five mana draw two cards? Yeah. Well, it's actually like- Don't worry, 10 mana 10 draws. 10 mana draw two cards. And then plus the two or seven that you initially put in. Yeah. At yeah. that point, divination is actually just better. A lot so. better, yeah. <laughs> uh, one more combo. It's it's obvious with cards like these, but we'll mention it, is the dramatic uh, reversal Isochron Scepter mm-hmm. combo, which allows you to basically untap all your non-lands over and over. So with Chromatic Orrery, this will cause you to draw- uh, sorry, to gain infinite mana, draw infinite cards again. Um, Throw it on the list of the many things. Yeah, congrats. We broke it. Dramatic Scepter. We did it. <laughs> um, let's Dramatic re- Reversal, one of the worst cards ever until you combine it with Isochron Scepter. Um, so let's talk about, because the fact that this is 7 CMC, I think is the big hiccup, right? Yeah. So uh, immediately you kind of want to cheat it into play, right? I would think so. I mean, again, 7 CMC, that's a, that's a tall order, yeah. right? At that point, you could be playing what are akin to game enders right so maybe we can figure out ways to get this into play for less than seven mana though yeah and then then it becomes a lot better yes and this is sort of the typical how you cheat big things out the reanimator-esque abilities of a lot of cards recently uh the first up is actually a much older card is arkham dagson who's sort of like a fan favorite commander but again it's monocolored but Three in the blue for a 2-2. Two, two. If you can cheat it out, maybe it doesn't matter. You can tap and then target artifact creature's controller sacrifices it. That player may search his or her library for a non-creature artifact card, put it into play, then shuffle his or her library. So you can sacrifice a servo or something, go get a chromatic orrery, and it'll immediately give you five mana, and Arkham Dagson's ability costs no mana to do. So it kind of mm. gives you five mana right then. You're right. It'll never tap for more than one card draw in this deck, but I think you'd be doing it for the mana. Um, yeah, it's that's huge ramp, and if, especially if you can get Arkham out on turn two, then you can use him by turn three. But that requires the soul ring. But you know, hey, uh, here's a favorite of yours. Yay, the Goblin Walder. This one uh, t- typically, typically tends to end with a lot of people going, "Wait, it can do it to my graveyard too." Yeah. <laughs> so it's a Goblin Artificer. It's a one-one. You can tap it to choose target artifact a player controls and target artifact card in that player's graveyard. If both targets are still legal as this ability resolves, that player simultaneously sacrifices the artifact and returns the artifact card to the graveyard. So kind of similar to Arkham, but it looks at graveyards instead and can target any player. So. Craig has a Blightsteel out. You can use the Goblin Weld to replace that with a random Signet that got blown up earlier. But, but for yourself, you can sack a Treasure Token and mm-hmm. bring out Chromatic Orrery from your graveyard if you've dumped it in there somehow. Uh, you can do this pretty early on in the game, possibly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and Red has tons of ways to get stuff into the graveyard, uh, including this next guy. Yeah, so Duretti, Scrap Savant, another monocolored commander, but it's the mono-red sort of artifact commander. And the... It's a Planeswalker, but the ability that sort of is the most germane to the discussion is the negative ability, which has sacrificed an artifact if you do return target artifact card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So this is another basically Goblin Welder ability. Mm -hmm. And Duretti's often trying to get a bunch of stuff in the graveyard through various means. And so maybe Chromatic Orrery sort of fits in there. I don't know if it's good enough. I'm just saying those are the types of things you might want to try with this card. Yeah. Now, this is a card that can go... This next one is a card that can go into a lot of decks. I have this in my Brea deck, which uh, Chromatic Orrery might find a good place in because four-color decks and building yeah. mana bases for that. Can about be- artifacts? Yeah, yeah. So Master Transmitter is three in the blue for a one-two artifact creature human artificer. You can pay a blue and tap the transmuter to return an artifact you control to its owner's hand. You may put an artifact card from your hand onto the battlefield. So... So what's funny is that you can actually return the same artifact that you 
bounce to your hand to put it onto the battlefield. To get ETBs again? ETBs, or even just to get it untapped again, right? You could have the chromatic aura out, tap it, and then use the transmitter to bounce it and then put it back out untapped. Um, so the, it's, or, the chromatic aura seems really good with this because one mana, you get it out, you immediately gain four mana yeah. on this exchange, the and you have a really powerful artifact in play from then on. Yeah, and if you're building around artifacts, you are going to find things that want to leave the battlefield and come into the battlefield. Uh, and the last one we're going to talk about here that kind of could cheat this into play. There's more cards, but this is, there's, we're not going to mention the, them all. We're the, the heavy hitters. Uh, Koldotha Forge Master, five mana for an artifact creature. It's a three, five, but you tap it and sacrifice three artifacts and then search your library for an artifact card and put it onto the battlefield. Then shuffle your library. So this is a way to, again, cheat it into play. This is also one of those immediately remove it on site cards, which sort of brings us to the next point. If you're going to be playing all these crazy cards that can cheat artifacts out i mean do why you, did you get blight steel yeah why don't you get like something that's like instead of getting another piece that's gonna allow you to cast us another big why thing? not just cut out the middleman <laughs> and just go straight to the big scary thing to cheat out yeah so it's interesting because you know chromatic orrery now is kind of looking more like a card that is just ramp more than anything else or like occasional card draw and mana fixing it's not so much Game ending and all the cards we talked about are typically ones that people use to accelerate into a game ending plan, if not just outright win the game. Cadolta Forge Master is just a card that says, I'm going to win if you don't get rid of me. Uh, so our next thought when looking at the card was like, well, what if we could copy it a bunch of times? And Ooh. then, oh, wait, it's a legendary artifact. Hmm. So, yeah, all that cool copy shenanigans are out the window. So you can't, like, play it, copy it five times, and now you got a bajillion mana and a million ways to draw cards, and that right. kind of accelerates you towards a win. I have no idea why a chromatic orrery is legendary. Like, there's nothing about that that seems to imply that it's legendary. I think the art might imply that, you know, a lot of people come to the Museum of Science or whatever, and they look at this one that exists, and they're like, well, it's clearly legendary. There's only one. <laughs> So maybe uh, it was one of those. Come to think of it, why is it an orrery? I don't know. In fact, I don't, in the many years of saying the word orrery, misspelling it, I don't actually really know what an orrery is. I should look that up. It's clearly some sort of thing with all these circles, you know, those solar yeah. thing. Yeah, because all of them have rotating all the around each other. circle yeah, machine yeah, thing. Yeah. So. They, they look cool. They, <laughs> orrery, <laughs> something that looks cool. Well, if we don't know what it is, then I guess this could be that. Yeah. So evidently that's why it's an orrery. Um, all right, let's talk about the fact that we mentioned it earlier, you can spend mana as though it were mana of any color. Mm -hmm. So the fixing, I think you want to put this in decks where you really do need that fixing. Yeah. So something like your favorite or used to be your favorite <laughs> and isn't favorite. anymore. Uh, send triplets. Like several of the words we say yeah. in the show these days. <laughs> your old favorite, your old yeah. thought it might be your favorite. Thought it might be my favorite, was always interested in building and quickly decided against it. But yeah, send triplets, that is a three color deck that you, you know, again, you want to put every version of card in there that allows you to tap for other colors of mana so you can steal your opponent's cards. Yep. Chromatic Orrery obviously gets that done. And I think it's actually pretty good in send triplets because of the amount of times the card's getting removed. You want to be able to recast it again and having a big mana rock out there, this pays up to two recast of commander abilities. Or it just, it just says taxes. you can cast all the spells out of everybody's hands. You don't need anything else. Yeah, you don't need to worry about it. You can tap all of your weird lands and they'll do it for you. And also send triplets is likely to have all five colors in play because you can steal the cards from oh, the decks of the colors you aren't. Yeah. So it'll actually, the draw cards will work. I think well, uh, five color commanders like Sisse Weatherlight Captain, especially okay. if they have a five color Wooberg activation mm -hmm. ability, which Sisse does. Uh, she's a two and a white for a two, two and uh, gets plus one, plus one for each uh, color among other legendary permanents you control. But you can pay Wooberg and then search your library for a legendary permanent card with converted mana cost less than Sisse's power and put that card onto the battlefield. So Chromatic Orrery pays just straight away 
for that part of Sisse. Also, it's a legendary permanent for a plus one, plus one on Sisse. But it doesn't have a color. It's each color amongst other legendary permanents. Oh. So it's similar text oh, it as the chromatic orrery, but... Actually, that's an interesting point, though, because had they put any mana symbols in the Chromatic Orrery, then it would be limited to those colored decks. So this is one of those weird cards like Chromatic Lantern where you can put it into any colored deck and it still works because it doesn't have any pips in it. That's interesting. Yeah, they could have, like, accidentally made it so it didn't work in Teamer decks or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Horde of Notions, another old favorite. We haven't talked about that one in a while. Costs Uberg to play um, and has Vigilance, Trample, and Haste with our 5-5, but you can pay Uberg and you can play target elemental card from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. So again, that's just one tap of the orrery there because you can spend mana as though it were mana of any color. Okay, I want to pause. Are you saying Uberg uh, like facetiously because white is not a real color? Ooh, Berg. Good call. <laughs> you're just cutting white out because you know, you're like, in... white's not a real color anymore because it's so underpowered. But this can tap for it, so maybe I should say Uberg. <laughs> I kind of like Uberg. It was like the French version of saying it. Because you know how they drop out <laughs> all the letters. <laughs> if a word has E-R at the end, they just don't say it. They yeah, say A, yeah. you know? So in this case, Uberg. Uberg. <laughs> all right, so... Hamburger. I, yeah, I sort of th- I sort of think I wouldn't run Chromatic Ori in even a three-color deck. I think he's got to be four or more. I Just, just think- for the draw card thing? And all because that the draw colors, card yeah. is not that good, and if I don't need the fixing, then just a seven-man rock that taps for five. Like, seven CMC is so much mana it's a lot you want to put your heavy hitters there that's what i thought when i saw this card there's a reason why the best ramp is one two three mana yep and Let occasionally me, higher. okay don't look at the outline because i okay. wrote it down there i did a quick it's not scientific but i did a quick survey looking through the tapped out list for all the decks we've played on game nights over okay. the last few years just to see on average how many cards of seven cmc or more do huh. our decks have? Like, how many slots do we even have for a seven mana plus card? How many do you think the average deck on game nights has? I've built a few decks recently. My budget Paco and Haldun deck, by the way, had tops out at five. Yeah, I think <laughs> it has like one card that's seven uh, or above. I think probably four to five. I, I My decks, I might lean a little heavier on the, the top side because I do I play a lot of reanimator do. decks. I don't? No, it's about three to four, yeah. Oh, okay. Between three and four is the average. Now, that's weighted because there's like a Braids deck you played that had like 13, obviously. Right. But there's also there's, eight CMC spells that don't count for the seven slot. No, no, it counts seven or above. Oh, or above? I'm three talking or four? seven or above. Wow. Yeah, our, our decks on game nights generally have, and this is not just us, this is guests and everything, uh-huh. three to four slots on average, that are 7 CMC or above. So that's pretty an important slot then if you're only dedicating 3 to 4 cards to it, right? Right, exactly. Let's talk about some of the popular 7 mana cards in EDH. I'm just going <laughs> to list them. Avenger of Zendikar, Zendikar Resurgent, Mind's Dilation, Elishnorn, Ech. Approach of the Second Sun, Nexus of Fate, mm. Shieldred, Whispering One, Cyclonic Rift. I know it's 2 CMC, but you cast it for seven, 7 most yeah. of the time. Uh, the new Ultimatum cards, Eerie Ultimatum and Ruinous Ultimatum. That's the get everything from every, from uh, all your graveyard. All permanents back, yeah. And then destroy all non-land permanents you don't control. Um, those cards are powerhouse cards. Chromatic Ori, do you think that it fits in on that list I just read? Uh, that's a big N-O. Yeah. Elish Norm will sometimes come down, and the reason we talk about it so much, and probably the reason we won't talk about Chromatic Orrery as much, is that one card tends to win you the game like a, a much higher percentage of At the time. At least threaten to immediately win when you untap, right? Yeah, and, and or if not, a full board wipe. Yeah. Or if not, just massive inconvenience for everyone else. Um, Chromatic Ori seems to be in the balance of the world where it's like big fun splashy stuff that people aren't going to necessarily be afraid of 
Yeah. I think this is a card where it's just very mediocre. Chromatic Warrior, yeah, I mean, like, you can put it in any deck that's three color or more, and it won't be, like, embarrassing, but I don't think very many optimized versions of those decks will want Chromatic Ori. I think they'll be weakened by having that instead of another one of these powerful Power seven cards. Mana. Yeah. Well, my question was, like, is it worth it only if you're going to be able to get that instant win with it and draw your whole deck? Yeah, is it only a combo piece? Yeah. Well, and then at seven mana, do you want a combo piece of seven mana, or do you want just a lot easier one, like Basalt Monolith, Rings of Bright Hearth? Those are both way cheaper. Yeah, and then you also, I also asked the question, like, would you rather build a deck that just has two drop, three drop, five drop mana ramp cards, and ending with, like, one Gildos at most? Mm-hmm. Or would you do a deck that has all of them all the way up to Chromatic Orrery, or would you build a deck that kind of only has the top end of ramp? And in general, I think you're always trending towards the lower end. I mean, think about Thran Dynamo. That's a card I don't know about you, but I used to run a lot, yeah, yeah. and I run less and less of it these days. Because f- I don't really generally want to be ramping at four. There's enough two and three, mm-hmm. and by the time I get to turn four or four mana, you know, I usually have five, six by that point because of the little ramp that I've done, and I want to actually be playing spells that now affect the game rather than playing spells that give me more mana to play bigger spells later. Yeah, that and at sense? that point, too, I think four is one of those really interesting drop slots for ma- for EDH because you do get the Duretis and Master Transmuters. Like, that's the that's when I think you really start the keys to the engine. You don't want to just keep ramping. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're doing the thing that we, you know, we kind of talk a lot about these days, which is just spinning your wheels. Yeah, not getting towards, you know, not trying to bring the game towards a completion. Again, I think this card, it's, ne- it's very rarely going to be horrible, but it's also tough to make it awesome i mean there are obviously are some combo reasons but besides that yeah eh, i'm just kind of mad on the card something i thought about too which is you play this for seven you are going to get five back right it's like okay that's sort of the value of having these cards and then i was like compare this to rich cards expertise where you pay six to draw a bunch of cards and you can play a card that's a five drop or less for free so it's essentially kind of the same because you're not thinking about future turns here but you get to draw the cards you get to put out more cards that you draw from it chromatic already doesn't really give you that explosiveness and it costs even more yeah i mean obviously you have to have some setup right you need a creature in play and yeah okay i mean you need a lot of setup to get a chromatic ori out that's true seven either too (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) all right um that's going to do it for our preview card video again this was a short episode but we are going to be coming at you next week with our usual content i'm sure we'll have the m21 uh set review coming up now that the previews are up as well get out there check out the other content creators and what they're previewing because i'm sure they have some cool stuff as well and we'd love to know if you have a cool use for the orrery that we did not think about or maybe some uh historical definitions of orrery that we did not discuss either feel free to leave in the comments below or you can tweet at us find us on instagram or facebook it's just 50 comments that are the link to the wiki page (laughs) for orrery that's what i would do my answer is i was like have you tried googling the question you just asked me because i would like to answer but I'm pretty sure Google's going to do the better version. <laughs> All right. Big thanks to our editing, graphics, and logistics team, which is Lady Danger, Ashlyn Rose, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, and Sam Waldo. And a big thanks, as always, to Jeffrey Palmer, who provides the living card animations behind us here on set on game nights, as well as starting and stopping our videos at youtube.com slash the Command Zone podcast, which means it's about to happen very soon because you can find Jeffrey at Living Cards MTG on Twitter. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. See ya. Pe- Peace. Peace. <laughs> For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>